Right, so I just got back from uh, Perth in Australia. It's my first ever time in Australia, um, I guess for obvious reasons. Growing up in England, it's literally the other side of the planet, but now I'm in Bali. Um, it's quite local. So I just popped over to Australia and I taught a, a three-day three day, yeah, three foundation course um, in Neigong and, and Qigong, and then took a few days to look around and uh, see what the country was about, or at least the, the west side of Australia. And of course, whenever you visit a country that vast, I mean, it's a giant land mass, isn't it? Um, then, then you know, you're not going to see the whole country in, in one go. And everybody you spoke to had a different part of Australia they preferred. So when you speak to this person, they're like, yeah, Perth is the best. And Western Australia, and then you speak to another, like, oh, you've got to come to the East Coast, you've got to come south. So, you know, obviously I didn't see the whole country, but I, I, get, I got to see it and see the culture a bit. People are incredibly friendly. They felt very much um, just like English people, to be honest, were for obvious reasons, I guess, uh, historically, you know, that was where the convicts went, wasn't it, as much as anything. But it, it you know, out of all of the Western countries, uh, Westernized countries I've been to, America and, and Canada and stuff like that, like Aus Australians felt the most like British people. Similar sense of humor, even looked the same, like bone structure and posture and issues like they, they were british people it just struck me that australia is british people in the sun really um obviously excluding the original australian people of course who were you know massacred but yeah so it was it was an odd place yeah it was like like being in britain in the sunshine and i, I liked it animals were very impressive definitely i fell in love with quokkas if you know what they are they're a very um cute animal for sure uh, so yeah, went out there and, and did all that and had a look. Um, and then the main thing was was doing the foundation course. I was there for three days and I taught um, basically well, same as I always do on foundations. For Negong, I teach the sort of foundations of the internal principles that would apply to arts such as Qigong as, as well. So I taught how to breathe, how to stand, how to move those kind of principles, and then gave a little bit of an explanation or a discussion towards the end of the event about how the correct principles, according to my view and how I was taught, correct principles of, of Qigong are expressed or, or manifest, you know, how to practice this as an art. And that's generally what I do on foundation events, really, just to kind of introduce people to the practice and, and give them a concept of, you know, the, the core principles of internal art, such as how to develop the Dantian how to understand what chi is, how to mobilize it, you know. And, and this is really what has fueled um, the desire to do this particular episode of the, of the podcast. But I need to word it carefully because let me, let me, <laughs> you'll have to bear with me while I try to word this properly. I want to explain, I, okay, let's start again. Excuse me, amateurish. I'm going back and starting again. I often find when I teach um, groups that aren't my own students, aren't people I'm usually working with, you know, these were all mostly, mostly outside people who are coming to meet me and see what I'm doing. I generally find that the principles that I teach within Qigong are completely the opposite of what they're doing already, completely the opposite of what they're doing elsewhere. It's, all, it's like, I don't mean to be a contrarian. That's not my plan. You know, I guess I was born in the year of the the monkey, maybe that's a part of it, that ape mind. I don't mean to be a contrarian. That's never my my goal. I, I, I don't agree with just arguing for the sake of arguing or, or disagreeing for the sake of disagreeing. I think that's almost a little 
childish. But I do tend to find that whenever I teach, the principles that I present are completely opposite from what people are doing. And I don't even mean a little different, like often completely the opposite. And that's what I want to explore a little bit, because most of the people coming were, were already Qigong, not all, but most of them are Qigong practitioners from somewhere else. And then, of course, it was mixed in with a bunch of people who trained with me a little while, who come over to Australia from Bali. So it was that kind of mix, about 40, 45 people or something like that. It could have been about 80, the workshop, but we decided to cap it at, at 45 and, and make it a bit smaller. So it was a nice number, nice number. 80 would have been a bit hectic. So yeah, quite nice to have a small, smallish course for a change. So yeah, teaching these people. And, and this is where I have to word it carefully because uh, obviously every Qigong tradition or school, most will have their own way of doing things. And, and what it really comes down to is how the teacher or the lineage have interpreted the classical principles at some stage because obviously teachers have been taught in an apprenticeship fashion but definitely there has been you know either breaks in the lineage where people had to reinterpret lost principles and, that, and that's happened several times throughout the history of the internal arts in China book burnings and revolutions a very famous one isn't it in the 1950s and 60s you know that have that have impacted upon these arts and then of course as as teachers reach a different level of expertise they tend to then come to their own conclusions on how arts work so the result will be that even though everybody might say they're doing qigong or increasingly these days nagong the actual way that the art is presented and these principles are presented are, are very different they can be really varied it can be amazing that one person does qigong another person does qigong and not only are the the sequences different but the actual underlying principles are completely alien from one another and this is what i find when i go and teach somewhere that the often i am clashing to a certain extent with the way that people have been taught so this is why i must word it properly because what i'm not saying is that i'm right and everyone else is wrong I mean, I think that the internal arts world, probably like every other scene, probably suffers with that terribly of a thousand people, 10,000 people, all these teachers, all certain that theirs is the only way and every other way is wrong. And you only have to go on the internet to see that that's the case when it's, you're all shit, I'm correct, and my teachers are best and yours are shit. That's really the, the attitude, and it's not necessarily the healthiest attitude. But at the same time, Obviously, as an individual practitioner, providing you have some trust in your teacher, you're going to assume, I suppose, that you are doing it the most correct way that you possibly can. So in order to try to avoid any kind of arguments, and, and also because I actually think anyone who's doing any exercise is great, anyone who's doing anything, getting off their bum on a Wednesday night and a Friday night and going out and doing something is great. They're already improving their life. But at the same time, I thought it might be interesting or whatever to highlight the differences between the way I teach and the way that other people teach or the way that other Qigong systems are presented. So hopefully I can get this right, that it's not in the spirit of saying I'm right and other people are wrong. It's maybe just to to highlight my views on, on these things. Um, and if it comes across as me saying I'm right and they're wrong, then I don't mean it that way. So I will put a disclaimer at the beginning that I think all Qigong systems adjusted according to their aims. And I think a core difference is that I think many Qigong systems went down a very medical route. And obviously medical Qigong is something you hear about a lot. And with regards to medical Qigong, obviously the aim is to get people healthy as quick as possible, I would assume. <laughs> That's kind of the aim. So therefore, I, I would think that the aim of the way that people train will be very specific to that whereas 
the system that I do is very much an alchemical or dare I say spiritual system and I'm not saying that's higher or lower it's just a different aim so whilst um, we have medical aspects to it it's not the key aim you know we don't spend a lot of time talking about you know making sure the lung chi is this and the heart chi is that it, it doesn't mean that we don't take them into consideration but primarily it's alchemical it's about the conversion of gene to chi to shen and, and everything that comes along with that so therefore the very nature of the fact that the, the aim of the practice is a little different from what I would say I normally encounter medical qigong, it means the principles are going to be a little bit different. So, like I say, I'm not trying to highlight better or worse. I can only give you my opinion on it, I would say. So, there's a few things that I, I find when I encounter qigong that, that, that to me were quite normal, you know, because I live within my bubble, the bubble of the people who taught me, the bubble of the people I teach, the bubble of the tradition I'm in. So to me, they're normal principles. To the people I teach, they're normal principles. But, of course, when you encounter the wider community, they're often quite different. And I've written some posts on this and uh, to see what people think. But one of the first things in, in qigong, as I tell people, is is don't relax, for example. That's one of the first mindsets, the first very important things to me that, that is quite different from other people's practice from what I can see. And what I mean by don't relax is, I mean, don't relax your body at first. We don't worry about it. Um, relaxation of the mind, great, but relaxation of the body is really not important to us at the beginning. In fact, the positions we put people in are actually quite stretched across the body. So they're quite taut. They're not contracted, but they're quite taut. Now, I can only, like I say, give you my justification for that. Um, and the reason is the reason is that, of course, if you relax, what happens is all of the contractions in your body will manifest themselves. So, for example, if I'm short across the chest and I relax, everything is going to collapse. If my head is naturally forward because of misalignments in the skeletal structure or shortening of the muscles on the side of the neck, then when I relax, that head is going to project forward. And the same will be if you have uneven hips or knees that come in or or whatever, you know, when people relax, their natural body alignment comes up. And normally people's body alignment is wrong because they they haven't trained their body. So therefore life has, has created these imbalances. So you'll, you'll know this if you teach that if you put people in the correct posture and then you tell them and then they relax, they'll just pop out of the right posture again. It's why their head comes forward and you pull them back, head comes forward and pull them back, you know, over and over again. So with regards to aligning the body, I always tell people don't relax. Like beginners should not relax. Like don't go soft in the body. Stretch into the correct position, whatever it might be, so that you're in a position of tension, if you like, tightness, elasticated tightness, but a correct position. And then what will happen is your body will gradually change over a period of time, especially as you're standing and you're moving in this position. Then what will happen is your your tissue memory, your muscle memory, the shape of your connective tissues, if you like, will change through malleability over time. Then when your posture is lined up properly, then you can relax. Okay, then when you relax, you'll be in the right position. So I always say that, you know, to beginners, they have to earn the right to relax. And it sounds a bit harsh, but I, and I don't mean it that way, but <laughs> it's a kind of joke. But you, you must earn the right. You must line up your body properly. So we stretch it into the right position. Now, as fundamental as that might seem to me, I don't think that that's how a lot of schools work from what I can see. So what happens is... Um, it's almost like, you know, if something is too short here and contracted, then the mindset, if this just keeps relaxing and releasing, then eventually the head will go into the right place. But in my experience, that that really is rarely what happens. So maybe if you could attempt to achieve a really deep 
profound sense of release that can happen. But I don't see most people managing that. And it's generally quicker just to stretch people into the right position because the only reason your right position is not stretched is not, sorry, the only reason your correct position is not relaxed is because you have to stretch into it because your muscles are too short. And then once I hold that position and the body reshapes, then you will be able to relax into it. So that's generally where I start. Deeper ideas of release or relaxation come after that posture is sorted. After. Okay, not before, not at the same time, after. So it doesn't mean it's not there in our way of teaching, but it's not there at the beginning. So students who, and it was really highlighted for me on this foundation course that some people were, you know, raised eyebrows when I just was like, don't worry about relaxation, like forget it. It doesn't matter right now. Just stretch your bodies into the right shape. And this kind of goes into the second principle that's a little different is that for me, Qigong is about your body, right? Your own body and the efficiency at which it runs because I want my body to build, store, mobilize qi, essentially, amongst other things. So therefore, my body has to be transformed. And I find that a lot of people's mind said is a little backwards so they over focus on movements you know like they learn a sequence they learn a sequence of the animal frolics or they learn a sequence of the silk brocades or they learn a sequence of, of whatever you know obviously there's countless sets of 20 30 40 exercises something like this now you could argue that doing the exercises these 20 exercises in the set will transform your body but i rarely find that to be the case actually the way we teach is we don't do any sets of movements at the beginning particularly it doesn't mean our system doesn't have them but we just don't do them at the beginning because we don't believe or i don't believe and, and the people who taught me i don't believe that those exercises will change your body to any great degree not to any degree greater than um, what we do which is to reshape and stretch and pull the body and change the way you stand change the way you breathe change the way you open the body change the way we access inside through very simplistic drills that are static or very simple movements and then once the body is transformed, you have the correct vehicle, and then we learn the sequences. So generally, beginners will go through a, a fairly lengthy period, I suppose, of learning drills and movements and breathing exercises, simple movements and breathing exercises to transform the body. And then only once the body is transformed, which we have very clear markers for, certain things must elasticate, certain things must release, your mass must drop to a certain place, uh, the chi must build within the dantian, which is a very specific topic and has very specific markers. And once that reaches a certain level, then you have the vehicle, and then we start learning the qigong sets. So I, I, I would say that the, the difference is that we're backwards, or other people are backwards, we're just in reverse, I don't know, like... Other people will, other schools seem to focus on turn it up and learn these movements and, and we don't. We transform the body first and then do the movements after. I can see pros and cons to both. In my opinion, it's, it's because if you haven't transformed the body, the sets will be kind of weak. So for example, if I do a lung movement and I do a liver movement, say, you know, in a lung exercise and I do a liver exercise, realistically, for most people, it's not going to make much difference. Um, it's kind of the untold truth of Qigong sets that if I do movement A versus movement B, it doesn't really do much different for your body. It will mobilize blood, relax the joints, move the lymph, but it's not actually that different, you know. And But on the other hand, what I mean is it doesn't specifically do the lungs or the liver. It's it's not that clean. But if you build a lot of Qi and transform the body, Dantian is in place, channels are open, then when you do the movements, then all of a sudden they will have very different functions because there needs to be an interface between the exercise and the internal conditions in your body to create that change. And if you don't transform the internal conditions in the body, then the movements will be essentially minimal um, with regards to their effectiveness. 
So the, the pros of the other way of working, of learning all of the sets, is that I think for somebody who's going on a Wednesday night to a class and they just want to relax and loosen up and, and they don't really want to go into deep alchemical transformation, then actually they're better off doing the moving sets. Like I think there's nothing wrong with going to a community center once or twice a week and doing a set of animal frolics or something because I think it'd be good for your body and good for your mind, even if they're not as powerful as they could possibly be. be you know, So I guess I'm talking from a place of people who are really efficiently wanting to transform their body. So the early stages for us are very much about that. You know, it's based around a key standing posture called Wuji. And every system will have a Wuji pretty much, but the posture will vary from system to system. But beginners spend a long time. I mean, really on the course, I just said they spent three days studying it on one standing posture. Now, naysayers to standing or people who don't understand will say that's an overly simplistic view and if you just stand around nothing will happen but it, it depends how you do it it's not what you do it's how you do it just like many things in life so i've known people that will stand in a position and of course it doesn't make much difference um, because there's nothing in it and they do two minutes there's all the benefit they can get and if they do more they probably get really stiff but if if the principles are loaded into the standing posture, actually it can become a very detailed and very um, specific practice, very intricate, very complex, very involving to, to do. Um, and I, if you haven't stood that way, it can seem a little strange. You know, I, I can safely say that I was watching the, you know, the facial expressions of the beginners while they were learning the standing postures. Um, and it, you could see the cogs turning, you know, with all the principles we're putting in and a little bit of a headache coming because we have to layer these principles into the body. So they're very, very specific. Standing is not really a static practice to me. It's more like you hold a position with a skeleton so it doesn't move much. And then you have a load of exercises that you're doing with regions of your body to release the choir and empty the chest and open the back. And, and it gets more and more detailed and more and more detailed and more and more detailed. And it's more like you're doing a set of exercises but with joints and specific regions of your connective tissue meaning it's a very deep practice and this is where we start and this is what transforms the body and then those principles from that standing posture get loaded out into the moving exercises so that's how we work you know so yeah other differences um uh, i guess one of the other key ones with me is also i don't think that your body should be okay how do i word this i don't i don't care about flow like body flow. I think Qigong has gone in a body flow direction. So what I mean by that, I can't really demonstrate it because I don't train it, but you know, like people doing flowing movements. It's all they want to do, flowing movements. Everything is soft. And you go on Instagram now or YouTube, you'll see countless videos of people doing flowing movements. You know, they want, they want to ripple their joints and be as soft as they possibly can to create these spiraling movements. And sometimes quite beautiful, you know, it almost looks like... Um, ecstatic dance if you know what that is you know in a, but in a more preset fashion so they're doing ecstatic dance it looks like a crane or ecstatic dance it looks like a monkey or maybe they're making chinese characters shapes in the air or something i don't know and, and a lot of qigong has become that and i think if you were to type in qigong on instagram or youtube for example that's generally what you'll find so the aim of those kind of exercises is obviously to make the joints as mobile as possible and the, and the body soft and the spine soft and all that. And, and I think that's great for you. I think that's really good. But it's not Qigong to me. Like I don't view it as Qigong. I view it as moving your body. So obviously I'm pro-moving your body, but it's not Qigong. It's not how Qigong works. So the increase of flow that you get from that will be blood, lymph, not chi maybe the kind of chi that moves with your blood like chinese medical practitioners will say they move together 
And okay, maybe it'll increase your circulation. Definitely unwind your nerves, help you relax. But actually, the kind of chi that we want in Qigong, if you're going to go deep, doesn't move through flow, which is why I've, I've, you know, like all the people I see doing the moving exercises where they're very flowy, pretending to be an animal or something, they don't generally have a lot of chi. Not really. Like they're not charged up. The dantian is not strong. The, the body is not radiant with chi, radiant with energy, not at all. Because what they're doing is a different thing, I think the Qigong in that way has become a kind of movement art. It's almost like um, a softer version of like Ido Portal made, I'm sure there was other people of course, but Ido Portal kind of made that kind of body art very famous, didn't he? Like sort of a, took almost, uh, whatever I say, I'm going to get it wrong because I don't study that. So apologies if you're into Ido Portal, I'm probably describing this wrong, but you know, he took a sort of almost like CrossFit type exercise and combined it with an artistic way of working. It became very intuitive way of working with the body and caught a lot of people's interest. And again, I'm sorry if I described that wrong, but that's how I see it from the outside. And I'm not anti it at all. I think it's it's a good thing. And he made a sort of interesting exercise system. And and a lot of people have started to do it too. You know, we go on social media, you see lots of influencers doing their sort of free body movement and exercise. Great for the body. And a lot of those exercises combine strengthening with sort of flow, don't they, and flow sequences. Yoga started to copy it. You know, I mean, I remember doing yoga. I did yoga for years and years and years as a, as a, as a kid, and I would travel around to do yoga, travel up to London to do courses and then ashrams in India and Thailand and stuff to, to study because I was very fascinated when I was younger. It's like a side to my training that is not, not represented in Lotus Nagong. It was just kind of personal thing I did. And I remember doing yoga for years, and it was all about when I was studying it very much, the kind of neatness of the posture combined with the breath combined with the meditation and, and obviously, I mean, yoga is hard work, quite rigorous training to transform the, the body through repeated sanya salutations and things like this. But I went back to yoga a couple of years ago, just out of, during COVID actually, just out of interest, just go to some yoga classes. I thought that's something to do, move my body around. It had changed. Like the ones I went to, and I went to a few, very much the kind of movement art had been incorporated into it. So all the yoga was now about flow sequences. How well can we flow from warrior position to this, you know, like uh, position to position. And, and all the teachers were trying to create more unique flow sequences or, or something. And now, of course, I'm sure not all yoga does that. Uh, I'm, I'm not that stupid. I'm sure there's some people doing it in a very traditional fashion. But I think we could say safely that the contemporary scene of yoga has become that for a lot of people. Um, so therefore, it's kind of matched that sort of Ido Portal natural flow. Yoga's going into flowing sequences, and and then Qigong is going into that as well. I see the animal frolics, for example, now performed these sort of performative sequences where people are walking like a crane and and stuff, and or, or making a spiral spirals. They love spirals. We've got to spiral as much as we can. Teacups, teacups, you know. And I think that it's a natural evolution for all three of those arts to go through bodywork, yoga, and qigong because maybe people are so static and so uncomfortable in their body that it's good for them to move this way and people are very tight and it definitely relaxes you to have more space and mobility in your body and creativity of the flow. But it's not qigong. Like, not to me. Not It's not really. Like, it's not specifically designed to build qi. It's not how it was classically done. I've been to many, many teachers of Nagong and Qigong and checked out many lineages, some for a short period of time, some I stayed with for many years. Current teacher I've been with, it's been a decade. And then teacher before that um, was similar length of time, I guess, maybe about eight years. 
don't know, time is a funny thing, isn't it? And then the teacher before that was a similar amount of time, you know, like a decade. And they overlapped a little bit. But, you know, I spent, there was teachers that I decided to spend some time with, you know, a, a length of time. And and then along alongside that, I would visit other people to see what they were doing. But I never really incorporated what they were doing into my art because I had these core teachers that I was with. And I would say that the ones who had real skill and real depth didn't flow. Like they just didn't. Their bodies didn't flow. It wasn't about that because they weren't studying the exterior. They weren't studying the art of the spiral or the art of looking like a crane. Or They didn't believe that stretching fascia lines was what Qigong was about. And that's another movement, isn't it, that's been adopted. Oh, Qigong's about stretching fascia lines. It's about that sort of, what's it called, um, Tom Myers? Is that his name? Anatomy Trains? If you've ever not looked it up, Anatomy Trains is very fascinating work, very, very interesting. Guy really analyzed sort of... Um, fascial and muscle muscle connective lines through the body often with a sort of look at how dancers and sportsmen move very cool but not how qigong works like it's not but it, it i can see how people have correlated the two and created what i would say would be an interesting movement system that's based on the exercises of qigong and connective tissue work but it's not really qigong it's not qi it's it's based on tissues it's an external art so there's all of these schools doing sort of moving like a crane will stretch the I don't know what you call it, the superficial backline or something, and all really interesting, but not Qigong. Certainly not Neigong. It to me it's a new thing. It's a movement flow, it's a movement art. So please don't misunderstand me. I'm not trying to say one is better than the other. I just think it's different. And I think that for people that are interested in moving and freeing up their body, it's great. But I think it's mislabeled. Because Qigong should not flow. I'll tell you why. <laughs> for the simple reason that you the first step of Qigong for a long time is to is to open the inside of the body and to create the cavities and the compressions that you're going to use inside for alchemy. Similar to sort of a lot of original yogic practices, wasn't it? Cavities and compressions and things like this, you know. I don't mean the, the positions necessarily, the asana, but the, the other work, the seated work through pranayama and, and other work. So the your your inside of your body is turned into a machine. And one of the first things that happens when your body opens up and it pressurizes is your limbs become very, very tight, actually. Not tight from contraction from the surface muscles, but from everything inside pushing. It's like a tensile, taut stretch that goes through your, your body. So you can't flow. And in actual fact, when you're, <laughs> when you're moving in this way, your body won't flow and it'll feel quite tight. From the outside, it might still look quite relaxed, but it's not. It's tight. It's just not tight from the surface muscles. It's tight from the inside of your body stretching and opening the space is opening and this is really a sort of key aspect of qigong to me because when you try to make the outside of the body flow spiral soft as i can look beautiful you'll move the blood but you don't really move the chi because this is really where the difference comes in and this is always a hard sell and i know some of you will, will disagree with this chi does not move in qigong through flow through the inside of your body and the reason is it's not the same chi that we talk about in chinese medicine right different thing so the chi in qigong does not move down your lung channel and up your large intestine channel down to your pericardium channel and so on and so on it doesn't circulate that way it doesn't go through the bladder channel when i do that or it's not how it works in fact those meridians if you like the jingle system from from chinese medicine to me is not even a major component of of qigong 
I don't really think so. I don't think it works because I stretched that finger and now my large intestine gets better or something. I think that's a misunderstanding. That's a layering of Chinese medicine theory onto Qigong, which are separate arts, in order to fill in some of the blanks in understanding. The qi that we cultivate is here, here, here. It's in the center of the, the body, which is why all of the charts within our chemical teachings show people sat in meditative positions, building the dantian and the cauldron and the furnace and all of that kind of stuff, all the alchemical stuff you see here, but doesn't really focus. It's not worried about Chinese medicine meridians, you know, because the kind of qi that is involved in your health can move with flow. Fair enough. Okay. But the kind of qi that's used in qigong, obviously we want to maximize and increase the level of energy that the body can produce, um, providing that's within your realm of belief, of course. Some people would say that actually it's all just physiology, in which case I would argue, why bother doing qigong? Why not go and do dance? Because you'll get the same results if you think it's just physiological. But if, if we're going to take that view that there's an actual substance, an energetic substance that can be built inside the body as well as chemical ones because it influences the hormones and all those kind of things. And if we're going to take that view, then actually that energy is built through compression more than anything else. Not compression by making my body tight. I'm not talking sort of like you see the hacker, white crane kind of stuff necessarily. I don't mean like that. It's more um, the 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 compression comes because I build such a volume and then control the cavities of the body and the spaces of the body that she fills the spaces and the byproduct of it pushing out is it creates kind of pressure. So the pressure is not the squeeze, the compressor is the the pressure is the chi coming out. This is why you talk about the body, you hear people talk about the body inflating or pushing or feeling like the Michelin man, you know, like all the pressures coming out. And the result of it being pressurized out is it pushes it through the the joints so you the chi very slowly fills the body over a period of months and years by pressurizing and moving under pressure to fill the body now the result of this is that you don't flow like you see it's not flow it's not like that you could say chi is like water and of course everybody will go to water running through a river but to me more like fluid that's being compressed inside an object that's like um, hydraulic, that's the word I'm looking for. I don't mean literally. I know some people talk about hydraulic and then scientists go not that, but I mean, it's talking a hydraulic kind of feeling that the water pressure mobilizes everything. The fullness of the chi is mobilizing the body. So this brings us to, to why I don't agree with flow or why I don't teach flow, I should say, in Qigong. Because if I'm trying to use my body to flow, you're trying to use your external body to mobilize the chi inside, okay? Actually, you should pressurize and mobilize the chi so that it then moves the physical body as a byproduct. So insides first, outside moves as a byproduct, not move outsides, inside moves as a byproduct. Most of the time what I'm seeing is that people are using outside first to move the insides. Okay, They're moving their body to try to influence the chi on the outside and it's not really doing it. It's not doing it at all. So again, not wrong because I think people are aiming for something else. They're aiming to relax and they're aiming to increase their circulation, in which case, cool. Totally cool. You know, or or to be beautiful. Totally cool. Like I'm I'm pro it. I think more people should do that kind of work. But for people really interested in the sort of alchemical or spiritual aspects of the arts, I think it's almost I think it it's the wrong aim, you know, the wrong it's like tail wagging the dog if you, if People whose English isn't first language know that saying. You can figure it out, I'm sure, from the, the imagery in that saying. So if I mobilize the chi through pressure through the inside, what it will do is the shape of the body on the outside will change as a byproduct of that. 
And that is the key to me to how Qigong works. So what it means is for a long time at the beginning, your body doesn't flow and you don't assist it to, you don't try to. We just put the conditions into the shape of the body. Then your body will get really tight because the pressure will push through. And then only after your body has started to fill, well, then maybe your body will flow, but it will not flow in the way that you often see. So it doesn't flow in the joints, okay? It flows because the the cavities will shift and adjust and hard for me to explain, but essentially it looks like the flesh and the skin mobilizes over top of the skeleton. So your body becomes like a pump. So the flowing is in the tissues, not inside the, the skeletal joint. So it means you can even do a very simple movement like so with your body, but if I was standing up, I'd demonstrate, uh, it doesn't matter. Okay, it's okay. I'm sure people listen just have a background in Qigong, you can understand. So you move the frame of the skeleton and then the flesh mobilizes like a wave over the top of the skeleton. So the two are kind of moving separately. That's what Qigong should look like to me. And I think that by disconnecting your body and trying to make it as soft and flowing as you can, you're almost like working against that process because you're shifting your body to an external trigger, meaning external shape. And you're trying to use the outsides to affect the insides, which is the wrong way around. So this, this is a sort of a big difference I find when I encounter a group because the first thing I do is stop them flowing <laughs> you know it's like <laughs> don't relax they're already like okay who the fuck's this crazy motherfucker and then it's like well we don't flow okay and we don't worry about the meridians we build this through pressure um, and we transform the body and we don't learn sets so already it's it's a very different thing and it's interesting and I hope I've worded that carefully so that I'm not disrespectful of what other people do because I would never try to 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 do that, I can only present my way, my experience, and the way I was taught, you know, these arts, and then um, acknowledge the differences. You know, I mean, that's all I can ever do. It's difficult to, how do you point out differences without being disrespectful? It's tricky, I don't know. So I hope I've worded this okay, because I don't, I don't want, like I said, I don't want to just be a contrarian for the sake of it. But this is how I, I train my art. And then the other thing, of course, is the Dantian. And, and and building it, because my view is you don't start with a Dantian, you just don't. Uh, especially from the Negong point of view, there has to be a, a a development of it and a building of that that vessel. And different Negong traditions will do it different ways, but essentially there has to be something done on the inside of the body for your body to even gather and develop the, the chi. It's a literal mechanism, bang, that's put in place in order for your body to even build it up. And there's some schools out there that say, you know, it's a mystical secret. Only the master can do this or something like that. It's not true. That's marketing and control. If you know the method, you can do it. And, and this is really what I focus on at the beginning is the Dantian building. Until the Dantian is in place, then your body can't charge up. You can't charge the battery. So therefore, the, the chi will not build. So it doesn't matter to me how much you do visualizations or you try to pack the chi in or you stand in a position. I see people true trying to build it. It won't actually do it. it it'll... Yeah, I won't do it. Like a lot of people are doing things that actually stress the adrenal system and the result is they feel like there's more energy in the body and they, they feel sensations rushing around. Similar to if you haven't had coffee in ages and you take five super strong coffees and you're, you're buzzing, you'll feel like you have more chi, but you, of course you don't. You've just drunk some coffees. And to me, it's very similar with a lot of the ways people are kind of doing things to 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 feel this sensation of chi but it's very different from if you actually have established the dantian which is why all sincere practitioners i would say from the alchemical perspective not the ones people who want to relax and, and get over hypertension or something but 
sincere practitioners should focus on building the Dantian first. You know, like when we do structured courses, like we have, we normally do them over a few years, couple two and a half years, something like that. We don't really worry about e-learning sequences. We worry about you. The first year, at least, is all about opening the body and building the Dantian. That's it. We need to put some juice in a tank and. We're not going to teach you a set of movements particularly, some, but it's not our focus because the Dantian has to be there. And and there's so many things we have to do to the body with the choir and the way we line it up and the way we breathe and the way we get certain muscles involved and then a meditative exercise and then, and then the chi will contract and then the Dantian will build. And, and that's the core of it so that your body can fill, can fill up with this substance. And I guess that's one of the big main differences that I see between schools um, is other schools don't tend to emphasize some of course but not not all schools tend to emphasize that so that's a, a different um a very different view for us and and interesting to see how people react to it when you start to teach them and and i just did three days and a foundations course three days is not really enough to go really deep into um it's not it's not you can't go really deep in like three days, but you can certainly introduce it. And I certainly show people in three days how to build the Dantian system a little bit. And already after three days, you can see it starting to come. So it's not a long process. I would say that all of the new people like didn't go really deep into it, but they've started to. The Dantian was starting to consolidate. Um, so it doesn't take that long if you know the method. Hmm, so I'll keep going with some other differences. Don't even know if this is interesting to anybody. It's more my own... Um, mental exercise and debrief i suppose more than anything i'm just talking to me um so yeah maybe it's useful the other one is the the choir is is huge i i in all the years of of teaching i very rarely had anybody come in that i feel that their choir is developed through qigong they've they've it's it's a it's a whole thing you know i've had some come in actually but not many hardly any so the choir if you don't know is the inside of your inside of your hips and people try to translate in different ways and people say inguinal crease and these kind of things and i think um sometimes if people try to study like overly fixed muscles are the psoas involved or is it this joint or something it's almost the wrong mindset so i just tell people one of two things if they're of a certain age i say it's action man's or gi joe's pants <laughs> if you think about a gi joe and it, you took off their army outfit or an action man in the uk it was called they have like blue pants and his hip joint was really perfect choir that's what we're trying to build or the other one is a bikini line basically that's the region of the body that we're trying to move and and that's what i i talk about with people is activating the bikini line or action man's pants so that your body can move properly now very rarely do you meet anyone who's who's done that they haven't done it sometimes they think they have and they think just folding or stretching is going to do it but it's not the case what actually happens is most people use the outside muscles on their hips and their lower back and their upper butt to support their body and the inside not very much so even if they make the shape of the quire fold like up and down in here they're still using the outside muscles so it takes a while to get people to get the outside muscles switched off and the inside muscles switched on um, so that the quire can be used and it's not and that's what it is. It's switching the outside off and the ins inside muscles on. And you can't do that just through, well, some people can, but it's very rare people can do it just through mental control. Do you know what I mean? If I tell you turn off that muscle and turn off that, it, some people can, but not many. So for most people, we have a whole series of exercises, stretches and movements and openings and learning to adjust your mass. And, and really like on this course, I just did three days, like, all three days I was keeping to revisiting the choir 
revisiting this concept of the choir to get people to function properly from a, a really major joint of the body for internal arts. Nobody in there had it, and I, and I and that's not criticism of anybody there. It's it, it's not a natural thing, and and people hadn't been shown really. So even after three days of doing it, I would say that people are only just starting to feel it, you know. And, and in my experience, opening the choir and, and function from the choir can take at least a year of, of regular practice, not even necessarily with a teacher. If you know how to do it, you can go away on your own and do it. But it takes about a year to at least to open it up and get it to move. So I think one of the big differences is I have a great emphasis on these kind of fairly lengthy processes you have to go through. It doesn't mean you can't do any other exercises during that time. It's just you have to, alongside everything else you're doing, you have to commit a year to changing your body in this way. And the thing with the choir, right, it's, it's almost like a whole separate discussion. You know, like the choir is a whole topic of its own accord. And anyone who's been in Lotus Nigon will know how obsessed we are with getting people to function from this. Until the choir is open or you're functioning from the choir, you can't sink inside. It's not possible. You can't. Because the outside hips, when you use them, which is natural for the body, supports and upholds. You know, if you think about squatting into your hips so you don't fall over, it supports and upholds. So it means you can't empty your chest. It doesn't matter what you do. You can reshape it. You can drop this. You can drop that. You can try to rearrange your ribs. The center will not drop because you're not using a choir. So the hips are picking you up. But when I switch off the hips and change to the choir, it's almost like the supports inside are allowed to release and then you can empty the chest so it means the center okay center is a funny word it means your body will reorganize essentially but okay whatever we say the chi will drop down or your chest will empty down into the abdomen what that actually means is a, a topic for another day but the center will go down and this means the choir has to let go underneath and it, it takes a a long time for people to learn to do that so when people come along and they haven't got the choir functions it, i already know that they can't empty the chest, which means there can't be a strong enough emphasis of energy here. So then the Dantian really can't build as is required according to these arts. Sometimes you can do it seated work. You know, it's almost like the choir is taken out of the equation when you're doing it in a meditative position. And some Nagong traditions will do that. They'll focus very much on seated work. But if you use standing work, the choir has to be activated. And it's so rare for someone to kind of understand that process. So even if the choir is mentioned, it's often just if you fold up and down like this, then your choir will activate. And it's not that. That's a shape. It's a shape. To do a shape is a shape. But for me, you have to transform the quality inside your body, and then the outside shape will arise as a byproduct of that. And that might sound minor, but that's a huge difference. Okay, I'll repeat it. You, you develop the condition inside. So the internal condition of the choir is developed, and the result is the outside shape will be created. So the outside shape of the choir fold is a very simple fold, is created by developing the choir. I don't just try to do a choir fold, and that's what I see people trying to do. So like I say, sometimes I get people coming with a choir, but not very often. And generally when those people come in with a choir, they're already quite good, because it's quite major to be able to do it, but it's so rare, you know. And I see people who've done Qigong years and years and years, and I get frustrated sometimes because I watch them, and I, I almost want to reach out to them, you know, and just... But it's not my place, not my place. I don't have a right to comment on what other people are doing. I don't have a right to reach out to people, but I'm, I'm always tempted to just sort of give them some pointers on the choir, but it's not my place and they have their own teachers and their teacher must have a reason for not showing them how to do it. Don't know what that is, but there must be some <laughs> some odd reason. But when the choir is uh, developed, then the chi will drop. And I don't even think people can access chi or the dantian to any great degree, not through moving and standing exercises until that choir is developed. So that's another major difference for me is the 
huge emphasis on the, the choir. Also, when the choir is released, your body will reorganize itself anyway. The alignment of the hips and the pelvis and the spine and the shoulders and all these things will change. Like I am anti the tucking of the pelvis that people do. I think it's unhealthy. Tuck your tailbone to straighten your back. I, I think it's wrong, actually, because it picks up. Um, actually, your if the choir is released, then the, the pelvis and the spine will adjust of their own accord as a byproduct of that over a period of time takes out any of the need for the tucking and all the people i see who tuck they're very solid they're very stiff around their hips and their their legs it's not good it makes them feel strong because you do feel strong if you <laughs> thrust your hips under but it's not particularly um it's not particularly great for the body to to do that and certainly not helpful with the internal process it's that old thing again isn't it if you try to tuck and create a shape on the outside it actually often prevents you from developing the correct conditions inside so it's like your posture needs to be built from inside out, meaning that I learned to release and change and stretch these things on the inside. And the byproduct of that is that my pelvis will adjust and my spine will straighten or whatever, and my, my outside shape will change because I'm developing the internal conditions. And that's Qigong, that's internal arts. And this is where my mindset comes from, that learning all these sequences, trying to make the outside body as correct or beautiful as flowing as you can, to me blocks it because you're you're controlling the outside. And if I try to control the outside, the inside gets negated. If I try to develop the inside, the byproducts of the outside will change. So it's a it's a very specific process, you know, to transform the body and get it to function well. And and that's what I think is missing. But then to counter myself, you know, I also believe that most people in life don't really want to go deep into Qigong. And why would they? It's a very particular process maybe it wasn't ever for the masses what most people want is to relax and de-stress and and i think that's right a lot of people suffer with insomnia and migraines and backache shoulder ache tension out anger outbursts all of those kind of things that i think that is more important than, than developing cultivation or qigong in realistic they can probably deal with a lot of those by moving and flowing so therefore even though i don't consider it qigong i think it's probably more useful for a lot of people so you know i guess one of the big differences when i'm teaching i'm always assuming everybody in the class is really there for the deepest aspects of cultivation but that's probably in, incorrect they probably don't want they probably don't want the long-winded path into qigong but it's definitely you know my view that just learning sets is not the right way to go i don't really consider it qigong like i say it's a movement art there's schools and schools and schools developing of of sequences and that sequences and of course if you're only learning movements what happens is they then start to emulate the yoga teacher training scene because yoga is you know as far as i'm concerned fucking takes years to learn right i'm sure any lifetime and you're not going to get to the bottom of it unless you're very very good and i'm sure most authentic yoga practitioners would agree with me there is a lifetime study maybe multiple depending on your belief system you know so the the whole sort of idea of a hundred hour yoga teacher training which is normally a month isn't it i think they normally do it three or four weeks or something sort of hundred hour maybe it's whatever they 200 hours i don't know what they do but you know they do these yoga teacher training things where it's basically comes to a month i mean that's already making a bit of a mockery of yoga it's a little bit i mean if nothing else you can't if you already have a massive background in yoga, maybe that's different because maybe that month can really, the teacher can work with you to teach you how to teach. But I think during that month, they shouldn't be teaching you yoga. 
that should be irrelevant. You should already know yoga prior to that. And the fact that people are going and learning yoga, sometimes from scratch, and then becoming a teacher is a mockery. I mean, I have, I have a couple of those. I've done a couple of those yoga things, not because I wanted to teach, but because I wanted a month's training. And to try to find, when I was traveling around, I thought I'd do a month yoga here, a month yoga there. And I thought, oh, I'll go do a month yoga. And then, you, oh, you can't. Why can't I do a month yoga with you intensely? Well, because it's the teacher training, so you have to do the teacher training. It's like, I don't want to do the teacher training. Well, you have to. That's what we do. So you end up, you know, I've got teacher training certificates in... <laughs> in yoga and I have no desire to to teach and never did I just wanted to do a month's yoga and that's almost that becomes a mockery of, of yoga itself or the deeper aspects of it at least and also aside from that like as a rambling off on a on a you know a digression that's the word you can't you can't know someone within a month. So therefore, the teachers are not doing a moral check of that person. You're not getting to know their character. You're not getting to know who they are as a person. You don't know if they're, what are their issues with power? What are their issues with people? How are they sexually or financially or any of those things? There's no checks on any of that. So then you're, you're doing a month. You're teaching them that. Give them a certificate. They're off to teach. You're giving them power over another group without checking who they are as a person. And that's wrong. There needs to be a, a period of the, of the teacher or the master or the guru whatever getting to know the student to make sure that they're okay before they even consider teaching as well as learning the art and going through it for many many years and yoga is bypassing that process dangerously you know what well, i wouldn't want a teacher that's only done a month of something like no thanks you know so yoga's done that for a long time but uh now qigong is copying now Qigong is copying. So you'll see these month-long teacher training courses in Qigong, and that's a mockery. I've seen 10-day-long Qigong courses for teacher training. If, you, if you're doing a teacher training and it's 10 days or it's a month long and, and that's it, it's a complete thing, and now you're a teacher, do you, it's for money. That's it. There's nothing else. That, that person teaching you does not care about your art, does not care about your standard. I can say this bluntly. I try to avoid being controversial, but I'll get in trouble here. If you're doing a month-long teacher training or shorter, especially if it's online and you never meet the person, your teacher does not care about your development. Your teacher does not care about you as a person. Your teacher does not care about the people that you are going to teach because they're clearly not checking who you are. Um, and they don't care about the scene in general. What they care about is, is building money and building an empire as fast as they can. That's really all it's about, nothing more. Um, and if they pretend otherwise, then that's a lie. Because if you've been in the internal art scene for any length of time, whether it's yoga or meditation or qigong, which I'm assuming these people have, then they should know the problems that arise from short-term teacher trainings and people just popping up who, who haven't got experience. And I should hope they also realize that qigong is a lifetime study. Um, therefore, 10-day teacher training courses online are just a mockery. And if they don't realize that it's a mockery, if they think this is a real and valid thing, then they haven't gone deep enough into the art. So they shouldn't be teaching themselves anyway. So it's, it's a problem. And I think that um, this model of qigong, the qigong world is desperate at the moment to copy the yoga model to create these short-term teacher training things. And that is an error. That's And I, I'm anti that, for sure. I'm anti that. And uh, this is another thing that is very different, I think. Differences when I encounter groups is that often people are surprised by the way that I teach because, for ex I can only give you an example. Sorry to keep going back to this, but I did the foundation course three days. I give people a load of work, and then they ask how to carry on. And what they're often asking is, when's the next course? 
and my aunt, and to me it's irrelevant you know like if people who did that foundation course want to do another course with me feel free i'm around you know or come to the full-time school or, or go to see another teacher in the school of course you're more than welcome to welcome to train train with us online whatever you want but you don't really have to like we just left enough material for at least six to 18 months of solo practice that's what i aim to do look here's three days of foundation now go away and and go away sounds a bit rude does it's not what i mean <laughs> now take these foundation training i'll never tell anyone to go away take this foundation training into your normal life and set up a daily practice and spend six to 18 months working on this material and transforming your body and then when you've transformed your body come back and then we'll see what you're doing or maybe longer maybe coach maybe you can do it in six months maybe you can do it in a year like but it's very it's a different attitude that i have is that the skill must come first and the transformation of your body must come first to develop the machine before we even look at anything like teacher training or before we look at anything like teaching you all the sets or before anything else you you have to have gone through the work and and i didn't used to when i was teaching before in the past find that that clashed with a lot of people's mindset but increasingly i, I am i'm going on a worrying amount of courses or teaching a worrying amount of courses around the world or people are coming and you teach the foundations which is how to breathe how to stand how to move um how to sit actually how to build the dantian what she is that kind of stuff we do that and then and then two or three people straight away will ask you how do i do teacher training certification with you in your school and the answer is like you don't don't worry about that that's not important right now don't worry about that you know if you want to do structured training with us feel free but don't expect to be a teacher at the end or or don't even focus on the certification it doesn't matter the first step must be your skill because before you could even dream of teaching others before we even talk about the complexities of teaching or the or the all of the issues that come with that you have to have skill first and it doesn't matter how long it takes everybody is different but your students will expect you to have skill <laughs> it kind of goes without saying so i find that quite a different mindset as well that i'm often encountering and it's changing more and more as time goes on and i think that's what it is because the qigong world is starting to match the trying to copy the the yoga model Anyway, I'll stop there. Um, these podcasts I do are, are, like I say, maybe not interesting to most. And there's always people underneath writing, you know, oh, he's just talking. Well, yeah, maybe these kind of podcasts I do, these episodes are, are more for people that know me and know what I do um, and want an insight to a certain degree into my thought process, which some people do. And, and that's why I do these feedback ones. Um, and maybe for others, there's some interesting thoughts in there. And and I don't, I you know, I just want to reiterate what I said at the beginning. I'm not trying to trash what anyone's doing. I'm really not. But of course, all I can ever do is prevent my view and my expression of the art and, and how I teach. And of course, I'll, I'll think that I'm doing it the most efficient way I can and I've been taught this way. But I, I also accept that people have different aims and they have different needs and they come at the art from a different way. I think it's an error to think there's only one way to do something. So all I can ever do is present my way um, to you. So I hope that hasn't come across as uh, derogatory to anybody or anything because that really isn't my aim not my aim at all other than that the uh barley school opens soon second year of the the full-time training so that's intense that'll keep me busy i've only got a week people probably arrive in now to get over jet lag before the school opens so i'll probably start bumping into them in town that's going to start soon so that would keep me nice and busy and i've got some um people that i'm chatting with on the podcast uh coming up some people i want to introduce you to and some ideas i want to talk about so yeah i'll be doing more of these things online and other than that i'm going to keep developing the online academy 
which is turning into a mammoth task. So plenty to keep me out of trouble. And uh, thanks for listening to my ramblings. <laughs>